The CBC's top official is refusing to apologize for the state broadcaster's erroneous reporting on the Gaza hospital explosion. Scrapping the federal carbon tax will significantly reduce inflation, according to the Bank of Canada. Agriculture Canada apologizes for an error in a departmental results report wherein the ministry claimed that it was working towards a 30% reduction of fertilizer use. Hello Canada, it's Friday, November 3rd, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm William Macbeth. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. CBC's top official is standing by the state broadcaster's erroneous reporting on a Gaza hospital attack that was falsely attributed to Israel. Tate faced intense scrutiny in an appearance before the House of Commons Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage, where Conservative MPs questioned her regarding the CBC's coverage of the incident. Mr. President, I will, um, Mr. Chair, Monsieur le Président, um, I will not uh, apologize because the journalism is among the finest in the world. Our journalists um, uh, uh, operate in an independent uh, fashion, independent of management, independent of the board of directors, and independent of government and political influence. They are guided by their journalistic standards and practices, and I invite any member and any Canadian to refer to these practices on our website. They are transparent and they are public, and if you have a concern anyone has a concern with our journalism, I invite you to address it to the independent ombudsman en français ou en anglais in order to have them independently investigate and review the application. CBC was among several media outlets around the world who accepted at face value a Hamas claim that Israel killed 500 people with an airstrike against Gaza's Al-Akhli Baptist Hospital. In fact, a Hamas rocket fell short and blew up in the hospital parking lot with no confirmed casualties as of yet. In addition to the hospital bombing controversy, CBC has faced criticism for its policy of not referring to Hamas militants perpetrating violence in Israel as terrorists. This policy remains in place despite backlash from Jewish advocacy organizations. So, William, I watched this exchange in the House of Commons committee between the CBC CEO, Catherine Tate, and conservative MPs, and it was quite jarring how obstinate Catherine Tate was and how much she refused to even acknowledge that the CBC made a mistake here. Does the CBC owe Canadians an apology for its erroneous coverage of this Gaza hospital incident? Well, I guess it's far from the first time where CBC has either torqued or actively misled people in one of its stories. It does seem to have a bit of a track record of that over the years. I think what separates, of course, CBC from other media outlets who may have made the same false claims or the same misleading claims is, of course, that CBC is paying for by our tax dollars. They get uh, a huge amount of their money directly from the government, from our taxes. So I think a lot of people feel that the CBC is in turn, uh, you know, a reflection of their own values. And when that doesn't match, when, for example, CBC refuses to call the uh, Hamas terrorist group 
quote unquote terrorists, a lot of Canadians feel that that's them staking out a position they do not agree with. And so in this case, I think, first of all, the rush to blame Israel was driven as much by ideology as anything else. I think a lot of organizations out there, maybe they I don't want to say they wanted it to be Israel's fault, but they have this idea that, oh, both sides are to blame. So let's find an example of where Israel's committing a violent act or an unjustified act. But the reality is they are a news organization. They should have waited until they had all the news. They didn't. They should apologize. And I think they really need to relook at how they're approaching the entire conflict, their decision to not call a, a, a listed terrorist group terrorists because it violates some internal policy. Those things together paint a very disturbing picture at CBC. Absolutely. And, you know, the first casualty of war, as they say, is the truth. And when you're dealing with things that happen very quickly and are enveloped in the fog of war, it's very risky and potentially dangerous to jump to conclusions right away. And I would like to just recall, it wasn't just the CBC that sort of jumped on this. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau did leave the House of Commons to make an immediate statement about this. There was some indication that he did buy into this claim. But one thing I wanted to ask you, because when you watch this exchange in committee, it seems like the NDP and the Liberals really do try to trip up the Conservatives from engaging the CBC CEO on this, from pushing further. So my question would be, why why, why are, are the NDP and Liberals so adamant on protecting the CBC, especially on this issue? I can't really speak to the motivation of the New Democrats, except to say that CBC is probably ideologically left-leaning, and so the New Democrats might see some kindred spirits in amongst their reporters. But as for the Liberals, uh, the Liberals are desperate to protect the CBC because it's one of those avenues that they have, quite frankly, bought and paid for with our money. And they don't want to lose one of their most reliable, supportive channels that effectively reprints government talking points and cheerleads for the government rather than doing what media should be doing, which is holding them to account. And of course, I, I think this became a partisan issue when CBC, first of all, sued the Conservative Party of Canada during an election, a very frivolous lawsuit that was tossed because it had no basis in legal fact. And then secondly, when Catherine Tate herself uh, blamed the Conservatives for uh, CBC bias, CBC hatred or CBC attacks, I, I think Kat, Ms. Tate herself is, is a large reason why the relationship is broken down and it's given the opposition conservatives uh, the the impetus to uh, to call for CBC being totally retooled or even defunded once they form government. So possibly now Ms. Tate is worried that she's going to be out of a job if Pierre Polliver becomes the next prime minister. Getting rid of the carbon tax would significantly curb inflation, the head of the Bank of Canada told members of parliament. Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklin told the House of Commons Finance Committee Tuesday that removing the federal carbon tax could reduce inflation by as much as 15%. The inflation rate currently sits at 3.8%, 
but Macklin claimed that could go down by 0.6% to 3.2% for the next year without the federal government's carbon pricing scheme further driving up the cost of goods and services. The carbon tax adds more than 17 cents per liter to light fuel oil and over 14 cents per liter to the cost of gasoline. These increases are passed on to goods, raising the price of groceries and other commodities. Macklem's comments to MPs come on the heels of the Trudeau government's newly announced three-year pause on federal carbon pricing for home heating oil, which affects few homes outside of Atlantic Canada. The announcement prompted several premiers to ask for the pause to be extended to natural gas home heating as well, though so far the Trudeau government has dismissed these calls. So, Coastman, the carbon tax is possibly the only signature policy of the Trudeau government from their entire time in office. If you think back to their lofty promises, they were going to end the first past the post voting system and other of these massive promises they made. The only one which really seems to have come to fruition is the carbon tax. And now there's a growing chorus of politicians, premiers, and even some liberal or former liberal politicians calling it for it to be paused, reduced, or even scrapped because of the high cost of living. Now, given the low polling numbers for the prime minister, do you think he's going to blink and scale back the carbon tax? Well, I mean, he already has, in a sense, with this um, exemption for heating oil. He saw the polling numbers out east in Atlantic Canada, and he did blink, and he offered them a concession But now that has consequences because the obvious thing that everybody is saying is that this is unfair treatment. It's it's preferential treatment based on politics that does not actually take into account the well-being of most Canadians. So now we have a conservative motion that will be voted on Monday, which will call on the government to extend the pause or rather the exemption to all forms of home heating which could drastically improve the life of Canadians especially this winter whether I think he will completely abandon it I'm not so sure because the carbon tax to me at least is one of those quintessentially liberal policies I mean it's a tax this is their solution to you know supposedly saving the environment is to you know raise the cost for Canadians so that they can create revenue for the government although the you know the liberals say that the carbon tax is revenue neutral we know that's not necessarily the case there is money being made for the government and yeah, it's just so quintessential to their program. It, it would be quite radical for them to abandon this central measure that serves as a plank of their whole environmental program. You know, it's interesting. We did see one liberal minister suggest that if other parts of the country wanted carve-outs to the carbon tax, then those parts of the country should elect more liberal members of parliament. And I assume She was referring to places like Alberta and Saskatchewan. Alberta, of course, we only have two liberal MPs in the whole province and Saskatchewan has has none. So uh, perhaps maybe Alberta and Saskatchewan shouldn't be that optimistic about their chances of getting carbon tax break, given that they don't have any liberal MPs. Although that being said, what kind of message does it send to people to say, well, we're only going to be a government and listen if you voted for us 
and we and you have um, MPs from our party in your area. If not, your concerns don't matter. Your opinions don't matter. The fact that you can't pay your heating bills doesn't matter. It's kind of a terrible message to send Canadians, I would I would say. Right. It's it's virtually, you know, extortion or blackmail. It's coming to the shop and saying, hey, if you don't do what we say, then, you know, we're going to you're we're going to hike your prices. It's par for the course for for the liberals. This is how they act. And, And I think it's becoming more clear to Canadians that they only represent a certain segment of the population, you know, the Laurentian elite the people who traditionally support liberals in the past, and they simply could care less about Western Canadians unless they have something to gain. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has issued an apology for an error in a departmental results report wherein the ministry claimed that it was working towards a, quote, 30% reduction of fertilizer use in Canada. Minister of Agriculture Lawrence McCauley published the 2022-2023 Departmental Results Report, which contained the discrepancy. The original report read, quote, The department published a What We Heard report compiling the feedback received, which will inform AAFC's work in collaboration with the sector towards meeting the target of a 30% reduction of fertilizer use, from 2020 levels by 2030. The AAFC has since said that the call for a blanket 30% reduction of fertilizer use was a mistake and that it would revise the report to accurately reflect the government's emission goals. AAFC explained the statement conflicts with the department's stated goals of reducing fertilizer emissions by 30% by the end of this decade. AAFC Media Relations Officer Samantha Siri told True North Quote, the government of Canada wants to be clear that it is not imposing a 30% reduction in fertilizer use. This is in fact an error, which will be corrected in our departmental results report. We would like to apologize for any confusion this may have caused. So I've been looking into this for quite some time, William, and this is the problem here. The government has not been cleared. In fact, this isn't the first time that in the government's own words, they've said that they want a 30% reduction of fertilizer use and not 30% reduction of fertilizer emissions. There was a deputy minister who made the same statement in the past, and and it raised the concerns of the um, organization Fertilizer Canada enough for them to contact the government in internal documents that we've seen and we reported in the fertilizer files. And I would encourage you guys to check that out. It's a three-part series that delves into the details and the background workings of the fertilizer emission targets set by the Liberals. From a communications angle, William, if the government can't be consistent on what the goals of its policies are, should farmers be expected to go all in on this? You know, it's it's sort of like one of those terribly kept secrets now, this 30% cut to fertilizer use in Canada. They, they keep swearing that it isn't coming, that that's not what they want, that that's not the policy. And yet it keeps getting brought up or, or appearing in documents or being cited by senior officials over and over again. And I think it's leaving the overall impression that, no, there very much is a 30% cut being considered or on the books, but they recognize the political difficulty of moving it forward. So they're trying to hide it a bit. Ultimately, although I don't think farmers have any faith in this current government when it comes to 
their livelihoods. Of course, as we know from that one minister who said, well, if you want a voice at the table, you have to have more liberal MPs. And there are precious few of them in rural Canada. Most of that territory is represented by uh, conservative MPs. So I would say it's it isn't guaranteed, but their claims that there's no basis for it or that it isn't being considered, frankly, are just unbelievable given how often it's been brought up and cited. With the carbon tax taking the spotlight and priority recently, do you think this policy is even, you know, a, a a top issue for the government anymore? Obviously, there's been a lot of work that has gone into consulting and, and you know, talking to stakeholders, developing these programs, uh, you know, encouraging farmers to adopt certain practices. But it almost seems like this is, has become dead in the water to some degree. And I, I don't really see the government uh, bringing this uh, into, you know, the forefront, the foreground, and making this a central issue. Because, like you said, uh, politically, this wouldn't sell. And if there's an election coming, I, I think this would really tank them if this became uh, one of the topics that's discussed uh, in the media. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a government with precious little political capital left to spend. And I, I think while they would fully like to implement uh, radical carbon policy, radical environmental policy that would include this cut to fertilizer use, I don't think they've got the the strength and the political ammunition sufficient enough to carry it through what would be a bruising and battering session of parliament where there would be a lot of attention turned to it. So I think you're right that while it may be their policy, it isn't going to get through in time for the next election. Certainly, if they're already backtracking on their signature carbon tax policy, they're not well positioned to try and force through another piece of controversial legislation. That being said, if they think this is their only shot at it, if they're not going to be returned to government after the next election, maybe they decide to try and push through every one of their uh, policies while they have the chance. You don't know. Uh, it will be interesting to see how the legislative sessions go between now and the next election. That's it for today, folks. Don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.